Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. Good day. This is Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News, and we have a special edition of Law Technology Now. It's Law Technology Now, Just Discovery with Craig Ball. Craig Ball is the our fabulous columnist for Law Technology News, and uh, we'll start by, for those of you who might not be familiar with Craig, Craig, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll dive in today's, into today's topic, which is Crystal Ball, Predictions About the Future of e-discovery. Craig, go for it. Okay, Mon. Well, the less said about me, the better. I am a trial lawyer who has retired from the day-to-day practice to focus exclusively on consulting and serving as a special master in electronic discovery and computer forensics. If anything sets me apart, it's that I have the luxury of devoting 100% of my time, virtually 24 hours a day, to messing around with these topics And I'm a certified computer forensic examiner, which, uh, frankly, as a lawyer, I've found that to be an invaluable uh, insight into how the problems start in electronic discovery and hopefully now and then a chance to figure out how to solve them. And uh, Craig, who, by the way, has won a basket full of awards for his wonderful column, um, also... You're welcome. Also has uh, worked as a forensic master. Why don't you spend just a moment telling our, our listeners what that entails? Well, absolutely. Uh, special masters are appointed by the court, and you have within the narrow realm of whatever the problems you're seeking to solve, the ability to stand in the shoes of the court and work with the parties to resolve things, ideally by agreement and, if necessary, by direction. Terrific. Well, let's dive into our topic. And what's in what's becoming an annual tradition, uh, Craig has, uh, either at the end of the year or the beginning of the year, uh, done a column we call Crystal Ball, and where LTN asks him to look forward to what are going to be the hot topics in e-discovery. And what I'd like to do, Craig, is have you tell us a little bit about what you predicted last year and what, what has come true or not. And you might give us some sneak previews on what you think the hot issues are going to be for 2009. Well, sure. Uh, last year, I, I had, oh, I don't know, about 17, 18 predictions I made. And some of them had a long shelf life, which if, if anyone is trying to do the Gene Dixon type peering into the future, it's always smart to either have them be so general that, that you, you can always say you got it right, or so far in the future that no one will remember what predictions you didn't get right. But last year I, I focused on, on, first of all, the notion of the, the special mediation or the special master growing uh, in in uh, frequency with respect to dealing with electronic discovery issues. My thought is that when you consider how expensive e-discovery can be, and most importantly, how expensive it can be when it's done wrong or inefficiently, and recognizing, as we all should, that improved communication and a, a kind of, of um, you know, taking the... the adversarial aspect out of e-discovery does more than almost anything else to reduce the cost. So bringing in a neutral, having sort of uh, someone who can shut people down when they're overreaching and uh, cajole folks into trying to find some common ground, I think is something we're going to see more and more. Maybe it can be uh, uh, just a phone call, some instances a half-day mediation. Much as that has worked out 
generally so well in the resolution of, of so many different issues in the final resolution of cases, I think we'll see the wisdom of people who understand the technology serving in that role. I talked about some things that I, I think some might regard as wacky, which is I talked about the use of virtualization and virtual machines serving as a form of production. I still believe in that. Uh, those of you who are in, in the technology realm know the explosive growth of virtualization that's occurred in the last couple of years. Virtually every server in enterprises now is actually several servers in one, operating in virtualized environments where the hardware that it sees, instead of being physical devices, are actually lines of code that emulate the, the hardware environment. What that means is that you can, you can have any computer essentially look like any other computer. And that ability to emulate is something that I see as a potential form for the production of more complicated data, such as when you don't have the software or you have a, a database and you need to be able to produce something that is very dynamic in that way. I can see that you might virtualize it and produce the virtual machine. So much as today we might put data on a on a laptop and then deliver the laptop to the other side where they needed an operating environment, we can do that now without the cost of the hardware by virtualization of the environment. Craig, I'd like to go back to the staffing for a moment, and I'd be curious if you would agree with me on one of the things that I noticed this last year. Uh, in June, LTN did a story about the exploding growth of, of staffing and even with this bad economy, it seems like there are a whole lot of new jobs being created. You talked about the role of the neutrals, but one trend that I spotted last year was an change in attorney roles within all three arenas, the law firms, the corporate counsel, and the vendors themselves, and seeing a whole new development of of litigation attorneys or e-discovery attorneys. Have you spotted that as well, and uh, any thoughts about where that might be going? Definitely, at least as an interim effort. Uh, we're seeing the e-discovery guru attorney, uh, that, that individual being the, the point person for putting together a, a defensible uh, retention and preservation program, someone who is brought forward to participate in Rule 26F meet and confer conferences, somebody who talks the talk, knows the vendors, someone who, who can be trusted to um, in, engage in, on issues of, of search, engage on issues of form. I, I hope for the day when every litigator is going to have those same skill sets. But until we get to that point, lawyers are going to continue to do what they have done, which is avoid dealing with the technology, and so there are going to be people for whom that will be their specialty within a law firm. Uh, these days, a lot of lawyers are increasingly mobile, and one of the items you wrote about last year, I have a sneaking suspicion, is probably going to carry forward this year, which is the increasing uh, uh, mobile devices being sources of e-discovery, um, from iPods to Blackberries. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you see going on and whether, in fact, there is an increase in small devices being discoverable or the content they're on being discoverable? Well, I think that as long as there isn't a counterpart for the same data somewhere that's more accessible, such as on a server, I mean, if you have a Blackberry 
there is an assumption, at least a hope, that the email is, is going to reside essentially 100% counterparts on a server. So if you can show that, you don't have to go to the mobile device. What happens, of course, is as data gets pushed out to devices, whether they be smartphones or devices we haven't yet seen or laptop computers, as uh, what we are seeing is that unique counterparts, or sometimes the only copy, ends up being out on the device. And so in order to be complete in your electronic discovery collection, you may be forced to go out to those devices. And because they're mobile, because they uh, tend to be managed uh, very personally and idiosyncratically by their users, you can't always rely upon the information uh, being there, and it, you can't always rely upon it, it being in the same place. I mean, different phones, for example, store information in different ways. But I think, Monica, an even more important change is going to be what tends to be called cloud computing, the notion that the, the information really doesn't live on a local machine at all, that your email, your calendar, even some of the documents that you're creating and using today, particularly collaborative documents, don't live locally on your machine at all. They don't even live on the company server. Craig, I'm going to have to interrupt quickly, and we'll get back to cloud computing in just a moment. But we need to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor, BDO Consulting. We'll be right back. Electronic discovery doesn't have to be complex. At BDO Consulting, we translate technology into language everyone can understand and help clients make informed decisions and frame persuasive arguments. Our e-discovery experts use state-of-the-art tools to collect, process, and analyze data from virtually any electronic source. The result is a proactive, problem-solving approach to e-discovery, capable of handling even the most complex situations. The way we see it, e-discovery is all about service, and service is what BDO Consulting is all about. Visit BDOConsulting.com for more information. Craig, before I interrupted you, you were telling us about cloud computing. And if our listeners are just joining us, we're speaking with Craig Ball, who is the columnist for Ball in Your Court and Law Technology News. Tell us a little bit more about the cloud computing, Craig. Well, cloud computing, in terms of how we know it day to day, uh, might be something like uh, Gmail with Google or Google Documents or Google Calendar or those counterparts on other services. The notion being that your data doesn't live on your local hard drive. It lives out there on a network on some, on some storage facility that somebody else controls, and you deal with it by a secure access. I'm seeing a, a lot of move to virtualized content, to cloud computing. It's living out there somewhere. And particularly as we see a, a mix of roles in companies where people are sometimes using their personal email or email is, is a webmail-based in interface, the challenge for collection and electronic discovery is how do you get webmail? How do you get even the, the, the certainty that you're going to be able to search it if individuals are using their own credentials? So we're in a very difficult straits, uh, and, we, and we raise yet another issue uh, of personal privacy that I want to come back to as I see that as being a, uh, an important changing development in the U.S., but the challenge of collecting from personalized collections, uh, the tools that you use are, are different. You have to often 
make changes in the configuration for those uh, online storage areas so that you can use such tools as top three email clients to be able to suck the information off of the web, bring it into a more conventional container for processing an EDD. And we're talking again with Craig Ball, and we are running out of time. But before we uh, conclude, one of the issues that I thought was very interesting last year was the concept of serial litigants and some of the issues that they face. By serial litigants, we mean folks who, as just a normal course of business, are going to be routinely sued. Obviously, the ones that jump to the, as an example, would be, you know, Ford or General Motors or, or, the largest uh, global corporations. What are the particular issues, Craig, that you see facing serial litigators and how they are coping with e-discovery, and what are your predictions for next year? Well, of course, the challenge for a serial litigant is that sometimes when they're using different counsel for different cases, that there's almost a compartmentalization of how they handle their e-discovery. And that's a very expensive prospect. When you consider that you have to identify information in every case, that you have to essentially learn what the data footprint is or the data map of of the serial litigant, you don't want to reinvent that wheel for every case. So the good news for serial litigants is that they're starting to take a more holistic look at their entire obligations and have a data map that's dynamic so that they don't need to, to start from square one in each case. The flip side of this is that we're, we're hopefully going to see in the future the claimants, those who are making um, requests for uh, production of information on ESI, getting a bit smarter and more collaborative in terms of learning more about each company's data situation so that hopefully that data map gets known, whether it be by, by collaboration between um, people who practice the same type of, type of law through their professional organizations but that it, when you deal with a particular litigant, you'll be able to go to a place, learn about how they keep their information, and not have to go through expensive discovery and 30B6-type depositions of IT people to try to figure that out from, from afresh every time. Terrific. Uh- this has been a fascinating and way too quick segment. Craig Ball has been our guest this afternoon, and we could easily have talked on this topic for three hours or more. Uh, great thank you to, to you, Craig. Um, and if you are a regular reader of Law Technology News, you will recognize his name from his award-winning column, Ball in Your Court. A little bit of news and information about how to listen to us. We are available in three venues, one at www.lawtechnology.com technologynow.com, which is the Law Technology Now website. Also, from our partners, Legal Talk Network, you can find them at www.legaltalknetwork.com, and of course, in the iTunes podcast library. Special thanks to Jill Winwer of Law.com, Luann Reeb, Scott Hess, Mike Hockman, and Kate Kenny at Legal Talk Network, and our incisive media producer, Keith Achille. This is Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News with Incisive Media. Thank you for joining us, and see you next time. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.